we are uh, talking about the, if there is a need to calibrate our faith, that's what we want to do. Because if with any sites, we, they need to, from time to time, be adjusted just because of the activity that goes on in our lives. Our view of God and our image of God and our view of life, what's it based upon? Uh, there are so many information centers that flood into our lives that, that uh, you know, that without, from time to time, going back to calibrate them and check in on them, you know, sometimes we can drift, drift, and it happens with such a slow motion that we can be further away than what we thought we were. We're not losing our salvation. That's not what we're talking about, but it's, it's how we're going to, you know, function and operate in life and and in the world. But here's the good news before we start with that this morning. What I heard the Holy Spirit say that July, July is going to be an amazing month. An amazing month. There, the, the, God has moved some things up just because of his goodness and his favor. And so July, uh, you're, you're, there's going to be things that you know, that have been, uh, 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 you know, kind of held you captive are going to be broken. You know, uh, uh, breakout, you know, is going to take place. And in, you go ahead and monitor it because he said it was July. July. So the month of July... Uh, you're going to, you know, see some amazing things that happen for your life and, and also in this church. Uh, obviously, because if it happens in your life, it affects the church. Because if you guys leave the, if this church is empty, this is just a building. So, you know, he's not going to change anything, you know, in here. We got to do that. If we want if we want the color changes, we got to change them. You know, he's not going to change the colors for us. So, but uh, it is a July God has targeted July to go ahead and, you know, uh, uh, make some amazing, uh, you know, miracles happen in your life. Miracles happen in your life. So, amen. Amen. I believe it. I, I just go and I, I know it is, you know. And he has no reason to tell me that. You know, if he's not good now, I told him I sent there and said, you listen, no, wait a minute, no. I mean, you're putting me on the line, you know. He says, you don't worry about it. I'll handle it. I'll handle it. So, so here we are. Praise God. Hallelujah. I, I believe. I believe. In fact, as he told me, he said, if you're not going to believe, get out of the way. Yeah. He said, if you're not going to believe, get out of the way. Because he, he you know what I mean, he, he doesn't want, you know, uh, his people or the next generation poisoned. You know, he, he doesn't. You know, and he, he's, you know, he's compassionate, he's merciful, but, but you know, there's so much on the line. And so <clears throat> we've been talking about, you know, calibrating our faith. And this morning I want to talk about the church. The church and, you know, obviously I can't speak to the church at large, but I can speak to us this morning. And, uh, you know, 
what I think is, is a, a biblical view of the church and, and what God, you know, wants to uh, uh, just kind of adjust uh, in our lives uh, because it, it just happens. It just happens. You need sometimes to calibrate, recalibrate, you know, church vision. We know that faith is absolutely important. There are three things there. They are now abide with faith, hope, and Charity, love. And so faith is, and it is vital. We all have faith. We operate in faith somehow. You got up this morning, you didn't know it, but faith was operating. It was operating. You know, whether it's, whether it's operated in your life by the, the routine of it, you know, or you got up, you know, because somehow there was an, an element that encouraged you to get to get up, but there is a faith that that is directly uh, 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 brought and input into our lives by the Word of God, by the, by God's Word, and so faith gives us a moral compass. That's why we need faith. You know, uh, it gives us a moral compass. The Word of God is you know deals with the the function of life. Deals with how you live. It deals with, you know, uh, 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 virtually the whole being. True faith gives you a new spirit and power. New spirit and power. When, when faith of God is active in our lives, there's a fresh spirit. There is, a, there is an endowment of, of power that happens in us. Faith gives us new concepts. New concepts. That's not based upon just old concepts versus new concepts, but we see things differently. We have a, a, an added dimension of eyesight that comes from the spirit world. Faith gives us a new world and life view. Faith, you have now, you know, ventured from just what is temporary. You know what I mean? And you've been able to look into uh, and taste of the powers and the word in the world to come. And so those are all stimulating factors in our lives. And you, I think you would agree with me this morning that there's a changing landscape in our society. And that the church also it has to go ahead and recenter itself and its ministry. We cannot become trapped by the way things have been. We do not change the message, but we must learn how to change the method. The skilled fisherman or hunter, but let's use fisherman because Jesus did that. You know what I mean? Learns and knows how to fish a particular species. Learns, you know, even the, the lakes or the streams that they're fishing from. And by that, you know, finding out you know, 
what's attracting the fish and make that adjustment, they actually catch it. <laughs> they actually catch, catch fish. And I think that there's some active trademarks that the church, you know, needs and uh, marks that the church in order to be effective. And I think our challenge is to transform ourselves. I'm always worried about transforming the world. Transform ourselves into congregations of light and hope. Now get that. Congregations of light and hope. Because if you live in a world of darkness, what is the best thing? Light. If you live in a world of despair and despondency, what is the best thing? Hope. Now may the God of hope. And so congregations of light and hope in a world where not the absence of religion, but presence of religion where delusion and confusion has become part of the human problem. It's part of the human problem. In America, what's our future going to be? And as a church, what's our tomorrow's going to look like? And I think it'll depend upon whether we recalibrate or whether we recede. Getting in sync with God. Getting in sync with God. Jesus said that I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we need to be in building mode. We need to have a building mentality. I'm not talking about just simply buildings, not at all, you know. I'm talking about that, you know, this is not to be a, you know, a, a club. It's to have progressive increase. The church is a body, <clears throat> not merely a business. <clears throat> a body, not merely a business. <clears throat> a body looks out for its membership. A body looks out for its kind. It's a living organism and not just an organization. And the challenge is, is to keep it alive while organizing. <coughs> because order is part of life. It's a place where it's to operate on the basis of spiritual gifts and not elected officials. Just walk with me a little bit. It's a place where you're more likely to draw straws than you are to vote.
It's a place where buildings are instruments and not monuments. A place where the people are priority and not buildings a priority. Winston Churchill said this. He said, we shape our buildings and then they shape us. Isn't that what happened to the children of Israel when Jesus came? It was the building that they worshipped. We have to understand that no single style church can reach everyone. What determines the church is predominantly by the kind of people who make up the congregation or the field in which God has placed you. I say this with total respect, but what is the likelihood of a church full of retirees reaching teenagers? So, see, nothing wrong with getting old, just don't retire. (laughs) That's right, church, okay? See, there's a place. It's, 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 not, it's not that it has to be all young. But when we get a retirement mentality, and I'm not talking about drawing Social Security and, you know, and, you know, 401Ks and stuff like that. We need some Joshua's and Caleb's who at the end of their life determine that there's still mountains that they can climb. There's still lands that can be possessed. So you help us understand that what's the chance of professionals reaching farmers? There's just no language there. Did you know that Jesus modeled evangelistic targeting? Jesus modeled evangelistic targeting. He said, I came for the house of Israel. As they tried to pull him away from the evangelistic target, you know, he said, wait a minute. That door hasn't opened yet. I can't go there yet. So he... Evangelistic targeting was, was, was part of <clears throat> the reality of it. He sent his 12 disciples to specific targets. Now let's break it down and make it not just corporate, but let's make it individual. Your field, your evangelistic role is probably going to be a lot like you. Your field of influence and who you touch, you know what I mean, is going to have a lot of, you know, relatable things that, like for me, this is the natural world. I can get 
with different age groups. And I can talk to them, but, you know, it's not the smoothest of conversations. But if I happen to get with my age group, it just seems to flow. Because there's that, you know, relatable identity, both from me to them and from them to me. Now, I'm not, I'm not, we're not drawing, you know, borders that are so strict that they're not, you know, variables. It was designed not to be exclusive, but it was designed to be effective. You've got to pick those up. It's not exclusivity, it's being effective. The Apostle Paul was a, an apostle to the Gentiles. Peter was an apostle to the Jews. How many know there's a difference in the culture between Jews and Gentiles? Matthew wrote to the Jews. Mark wrote to the Gentile audience. That's why you see a difference in their writing. That's why you see a difference, you know what I mean, in, 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 in the, the presentation of it. God in the divineness, you know, by the power of the Holy Spirit aligns people with people. Oh, hallelujah. There's been a lot of, you know, criticism. And I just don't think criticism falls within the pages of the Bible. However, it records critical people, but it doesn't, you know, give them an honorable place or perspective. There are some that says that seeker-sensitive, you know, is to compromise. And it shouldn't mean compromise. It should mean consideration, the culture, in order to communicate the message. Are you with me this morning? (laughs) To present the language... And the news in an understandable way. The missionary must adapt to the tribe he's trying to reach. Jesus was so human that it was hard for the people to believe he was divine. Right. He became so human. He's so identified with it. So as a church, we need to decide, and, 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 and not that you have it, but, you know, we're recalibrating. Do we want to influence people, or do we want to impress people? <coughs> you can impress people from a distance, but you only can influence them up close. Relationship. I hope that I love the old. 
But I hope I love the, the young. And I hope I come across as loving the kids. But don't give me a group of three-year-olds and four-year-olds. <laughs> I do not have the language for them. I don't. <clears throat> As a church, we have to create a climate of, of authenticity and, and not fake drama. We don't want to walk on eggshells, but at the same time, we And I think that one of the roles is that anything that we can do to strengthen the family. To strengthen moms, strengthen dads, strengthen the kids, you know. And help it so that strangers can find families. Strangers need families. And so a, a, a view, one of the challenges is to love and not compromise. To be righteous without becoming self-righteous. I told my prayer team this morning, God spoke to my heart and one, one, one of those days is sometimes back I was having a dawn day. A day, you know what I mean, when, when you're looking at yourself and you look pretty good. <laughs> and I wasn't looking at a physical mirror, you know what I mean? I, you know, I was looking at, you know, what I haven't done and what I didn't do and what other people are doing. And, boy, they seem to be getting away with it. You know, and, and, and so it was just, just kind of a conversation. He said, you know, I thought I was looking pretty good. And he just said, you know, you do look pretty good if you compare yourself to, you know, that person you're thinking about or some of the people. You look pretty good. I never pick out the best Christian that I'm going to compare myself to. I always pick out the one that, <laughs> that, that I've got some inside information on them. You know what I mean? You, I mean, it's just, it's too tough on the ego if you do it the other way. So, you know. You. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and he said, son, you're right. You, you, you up alongside of that person, he said, you really, you really stand out. No, wasn't putting me down. He was glad for the, the role that I played, what I, you know, choices I've made. And then all of a sudden he says, but let's go, let's go ahead and let's compare you to me. And this wasn't an ego trip he was on because it did not take any time at all it, where, wherein he just, he just said that and there was, a, there was a, a, a presence of him that was there and boom, I fell on my knees so quick. I was humbled so fast that I, I wept in tears. Your brother and sister is not your standard. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. 
And so a church that falls on its knees, no matter how excellent she is, because of Jesus Christ. So being righteous without becoming self-righteous, to care at the same time, do not to become careless, to hold to God's standard and yet be cloaked with, with mercy. The importance of faith in everyday life where we're strong and we're not weak no matter what you're facing. There's enough faith in our lives that, you know, we pray. And we pray because we know we get answers. There's enough faith in our life be we're able to forgive and to trust God for the injustices and we're able to forgive our enemies. And it's the the more distant a person is from you, the easier it is to forgive. The closer that the person is to you, the more difficult it is to forgive. It's just the way is our, our makeup. Out of sight, out of mind, you know, type of thing. You don't have to deal with it on a regular basis. But a church that has enough faith to trust God for the injustices. Enough faith to love and to help others. To love others and, and even those who have hurt us. You will go through life. Hurt is, is just a real part of it. It's, it's the breaking of the outer shell to release the perfume inside. Faith to suffer. To understand that there's a great reward on the other side of every suffering. It's not pleasant for the moment. In a church that has enough faith to obey. To help us overcome our doubts and in our reluctance. To fight the good fight of faith. Having done all to stand. Sometimes you just have to stand. We're such proactive cultures that sometimes we don't know how to wait. Saul had that problem. Saul is a picture of the flesh. He couldn't wait for Samuel to get there. Because it took too long. And so he moved without the orders. In this case, he actually, you know, the order that was already written. 
wasn't hearing from God, needed to hear from God, God had already spoken. So faith, faith to obey, and a church that has enough faith to praise. Church that has enough faith to praise. A faith that sees him who is invisible. It says that Hebrews chapter 11, that they endured by seeing him who was invisible. Now, I like sight just like anybody else. It's inspiring. It, you know, it, 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 it helps my faith. It, it, helps, it helps my disposition, everything about it. You know, the five senses are powerful. And I love it when God works through my five senses. <laughs> when he satisfies one of them. <laughs> Whether well, it's a sight, you know, feeling, smell. But sometimes he says, you've got to be able to see beyond the natural. We need to have some fresh paintings take place in our lives because we've read the word of God. There was the vision that Isaiah had of the Lord that not only transformed his personal perception, but it also it went ahead and determined the direction that he was willing to go. He saw the Lord. He saw him in his greatness. He saw his purpose. He saw his plan. When he saw that, he said, guess what? I'm going to participate. (laughs) Here am I. I can't see your greatness, and I can't, you know, understand your purpose. And, you know, here's your plan. It's so right and so out of this world, I got to participate in it. Prophet Zechariah, many of the prophets did, had a vision for the church. A, a church with a glorious future. God has been repairing my vision, recalibrating my faith. I'm, I'm so excited. Not just for my role, but for your role. He sees restoration, expansion, prospering. And he sees, you know, a detailed starting point. 
Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Let me tell you, church, that Christmas story, the life of Jesus Christ is not just a one-year event. It is something that's to affect every day of every year, of every year of our life. And the thing that is supposed to produce is a rejoicing. The anticipation and the hope, the expectation. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just in heaven, salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, the coal full of, of a donkey. Matthew chapter five or chapter two twenty one writes about it and refers to Zechariah's prophecy and he connects you know this dynamic glorious church as it being the inauguration of that. He prophesies the vision of God and what God intended to do and through his people. We're going to get to what he prophesied. He discovers that God has a purpose to make a strong and holy people who will fill the earth with the knowledge of the Lord. God goes ahead and makes an oath. He gives an oath. He gives an oath, an oath in Habakkuk two fourteen. He had pre- previously given the oath of this in Numbers chapter fourteen. This oath. The oath in Numbers chapter fourteen goes something like this. There are 12 spies that are sent up to investigate the land, and they're at the door and the crossroads of opportunity. And 10 of them see the obstacles, and two of them see the promise. And so the people are wailing and crying and just, you know, uh, they're disillusioned. They don't know what to do. And then God goes ahead and makes an oath. Said, you're not going up by your own confession, but I want you to know something. It's coming a time when the earth is going to be filled with the glory of the Lord. Going to be filled with the glory of the Lord. <coughs> it was missionary William Carey, and you may not know him, he's been in the 1800s. He labored for five years for one convert. And after he got the one convert, he said, there's a continent following it. 
Somebody give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the vision that God wants the church. You do not minimize the one convert. You begin to envision the continent that follows the breakthrough. Amen? Hallelujah. What is God's purpose in when he made man? He says, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. What that means is to be in the image of God means to reflect him and represent him. It is the glory of his excellence. It is reflecting God is the same as glorifying God. To display God's glory. You see, in the fall, we didn't lose our natural image. We lost our moral image. Come on, church. You want to know where, what God's doing when it comes to the church. We stopped reflecting God's moral attributes. And that's why the Apostle Paul wrote about it and talked about us being restored to the image of God in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Put on the new man who was renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created us. So the glory of the Lord is going to have a restoration in it that brings back the moral of God and the morals of God. Hallelujah. It's more than something that is buildings and steeples. It's a restoration of the glory of the Lord. Filling the earth, the promise of worldwide success of the gospel. That children's offering. Let me tell you, church, you know, and thank you, man, just my heart, just, I see everybody come up. I don't care if it's a penny or a dollar or whatever. It's going. So that the glory of the Lord is having an opportunity to return to societies that have bear the natural image but not the glory of that of that image i believe that the leadership Leadership in the church, leadership in the home. We need it every place, but I'm going to leave the political scene alone. It needs to have expect and vision, and I don't believe that the church can have the sky is falling mentality. Amen. Somebody help me out here. Amen. Hallelujah. The sky is not falling.
the resurrection of Jesus Christ guarantees it. That does not eliminate that there's work to be done and that there's messengers for that work. So Zechariah says this, and try to wrap it up by 11. He says, God's vision for the church is that it would be a living witness to his goodness and his beauty. The psalmist said, oh, that men would praise the Lord. Oh, that men would give thanks for his goodness. Will somebody give God credit is what he's saying. Will somebody lift up the name of the Lord and say that what I've got is because of my maker and my creator. You can run with that as far as you want to because from the cradle to the heavenly home there's a desi- there's a divine master builder shaping we must have a vision of more than conquerors Zechariah 9.16 says, The Lord their God will save them in that day as the flock of his people, for they shall be like like the jewels of a crown. (laughs) Catch this terminology and this this wording that the prophet uses. Lift it up like a banner over his land. For how great is his goodness and how great is its beauty. A living witness. Micah prophesied this. You know, and if you're a dispensationalist, you know what I mean, then you've got a long time to wait. And your attitude's not going to be affected until, you know, you're gone. Your time on earth is over with. You're not even going to have an opportunity. But if you believe that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, then, hallelujah, this is for you. It's not in its fullness. And it will not be. But it should be in our motivation. And it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and people shall flow into it. Many nations shall come and say, come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord. Haggai said this, the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former house. He's not talking about buildings. He's talking about the restoration of the image of God. I think the good news is, is that God does not save you and I to, for us to muddle through just life and have no impact. 
Not bringing any spiritual strength, any holy living to anybody. Not at all. He said it will be like the dew of heaven that brings refreshing to the earth. He says, I'm calling you to water the earth. Water the world with God's grace. Out of this ministry, I know missionaries are been in the field for many years, taking God's grace and just watering the dry and barren lands. You water with daily droplets, church. Daily droplets of good works and words of truth that edify and nurture all around. Micah says it would be like the dew of the Lord, like the showers on the grass. You got a note, and I say this to God's glory, I got a note from young young person. My wife and I did, not just me, my wife and I did. And in that, she talked about that, how that God just shines. When we're around, we we'll don't get to be around very much, but when we're around, she said, God, God just shines. Well, number one, I'm not that good looking. She is, but I'm not. <laughs> but it's just kindness. It's just arms of love. You know, it's not frowning upon them. It's smiling with them. Goodness, that's the church. That's the church. A church, Karen, would you come? A church that aspires to, the, to greatness in his name. That we're mighty warriors. It says in Zechariah chapter 10 that we shall be like mighty men. And there would be rejoicing in their heart. And he uses the picture. He says, like, you know, it's kind of like the guy that drinks too much wine. You know? He gets happy. Life isn't bothering him anymore. He said the church just needs to kind of start getting happy and don't let life bother you quite so much because of the greatness of the Lord. It's overpowering life circumstances. Hallelujah. So he said, I envision an army that's, that's not only have compassion and tenderness, but it's fully armed and well-disciplined. It knows what its mission is, and it's filled with zeal. He says, and I envision an army that's going to have new recruits. New recruits, he said. I like that. I love Psalms 1, 10, and 3. And let me just say this to young people. If you're, if you're under 60 or young, 
and people tell me I'm not old yet, and they're 80, 80, 90, so, so we can say that, right? I mean, an 80, 90-year-old can say, you're not old yet, you know? I can say the 60-year-old, you're not old yet. But you're recruits. It's, it's, just, not, it's just not, you know, uh, uh, a place to come on Sunday mornings, no. And that's it, good, it's, but, but God grudge trying to recruit you. He's got an army in. I want you to, to believe in the future. Future of the church. and That you have a part. You can be effective. I mean, it, just, I'll use it as a, just a point, and everyone you know, needs to be commended. But I've seen Aiden up there playing the drums, and you know what I mean? And I, I just love his, his freedom, and he just enjoying that. Hallelujah. Yeah. Something inspiring about young people. I'm not getting out of the way. I'm trying to pave a way. That's all. There's a song that I, I learned it, and I don't know, Orland, I never heard anybody sing it. It says, oh, yes, I'm working the road. I'm working road, helping the weak and blind. I want to smooth out the way that leads to heavens aglow, you know, and make it easy for those behind. I don't have the same, same talents and the same ability that my father did. My father was a builder. He could do anything with his hands. Don't put anything in my hands, you know. <laughs> I can drive a car. I will not get on a <coughs> motorcycle. No. You, you, you see what I'm saying? You know, what your hands? You. It's not only what you can do physically, but it's the touch that you have. You have a touch. You know, some people can correct people, and. They come out whole. The next person corrects people and they're in worse shape than when they started. They just don't have the touch. I mean, you've, you've seen those nurses that they shouldn't be nurses. <laughs> they got an occupation, but they're not... They don't have a nurse's disposition. They're not, it's not your healing that they're interested in. You're a problem. You're making their day miserable. You know? And I'm not saying there's not some people that need some, why don't you get up? But make sure you know that it's time for them to get up. Because you might damage a work that's already been in progress by somebody who's had the right hands by which to do it as you stand with me. There's just so much more, but...
the church is supposed to look a lot like Jesus. A lot like Jesus. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness of the Godhead dwell bodily. Is, is God saying, it's just deity? It's much more than that. He's saying, Jesus is showing us exactly how to function and operate in all these varieties and variations of life. To the convicted adulterer, we want to help her and him to get up and move on to life after the event. Come on, church. After the event. The event's over. Can't go back. It is what it is. But there's something. I can help him move to tomorrow. To the self-righteous, it's a little different word. You're really not that good. (laughs) You might stack up well against a lot of people, but you're not stacking up so well against Jesus Christ. Because he was moved with compassion. When he saw the house of Israel scattered, he didn't say he was a bunch of dumb sheep. Moved with compassion. Saw him as sheep without a shepherd. They didn't have anybody to lead them. Didn't have anybody to and that is lead them into some decent pastures and have any shepherd there to protect them from the, all the forces of enemy that were just after their soul and, and after their, their spirit and after their life. After their livelihood. Jesus said, what does it profit if, I, if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? He said, if your soul doesn't have health, if it doesn't have wholeness, if there's that missing part of your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions, you know, if your emotions are tore apart, the million dollars in the bank is, you can't heal that, can it, Jolie? No, we can't do it. And I wasn't saying that you got a million dollars in the bank, you know what I mean? <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but, but you deal with, you deal with, with this arena. You deal with that arena of, you know, lives are shattered by it. Calibrating our faith as a church. And when I know that's the way you feel because I can feel in the spirit there's no opposition you know that's, that's not the thing but even with the right intents it can be very challenging and I think that I think that we get the heart of God 
recalibrate our hearts and, and our faith. I think the same Jesus that healed sick by the shadow of Peter wants to cast a shadow today. The lives of people that you're going to come across. You might not have a, you might not touch them, but just your shadow is going to pass by and something is going to happen in, in their lives. Hallelujah. Father, we just surrender and Thank you for for the privilege, the honor, and help us to help people. Help us to remove the hurdles that we put that keep people from getting close to us because somehow they might contaminate us or Lord sometimes it's because we just don't know how to handle it and so we're asking for an enlargement and so we not might know how to handle all those situations Father I thank you I thank you that July is going to be a miraculous month. A miraculous month. God bless America, God. God bless her. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love you. Bless you.